and to this week in Worcester.com radio. This is episode, it feels like 500, without our uh, um, editor-in-chief, Patrick Sargent, who will be back this week. I am Tom Marino sitting in and, and helping me forge through the, the, the pain of me leading this show. Uh, someone much more qualified than me, Sean Rose, city councilor here in Worcester. Hey, Sean. Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for coming and trying to rescue me. Um, so we typically start the show off with our uh, daily feature we do on on the site, five things that you should know and or you need to know in, in Worcester today. Uh, the first is something you probably know something about, uh, Coe's Reservoir, uh, to have invasive water chestnuts removed, which doesn't sound very sexy. No, not at all. Uh, for those people who are unfamiliar about the process around these lakes is that... Uh, you know, nutrients is actually a bad thing for our lakes. And uh, we experience this in District 1 with Indian Lake quite a bit, uh, where we have some uh, nutrients developing. We need to shut it down and, and, and get rid of them or, or try to hold them back a little bit uh, to hopefully... Uh, sorry, we had a little interruption there. Uh, yeah, so we, we deal with this stuff in Indian Lake quite a bit um, in terms of uh, nutrients developing and having to get people off the lake so that we could treat the lake uh, so that they can be less harmful. Um, I think one of the things that's uh, important to know about uh, our licks and our blue spaces is that the city has done a really nice job of um, prioritizing our lakes, um, and so they're tested quite frequently. Uh, that is not necessarily a state demand or a federal request. It's something that the city does on its own. So you could be in a lake comparable to our lakes in a different city and not really know what you're swimming in. So I commend the administration for their work in prioritizing our blue spaces and our mayor prioritizing our blue spaces uh, to be able to you know ensure that they're safe for our residents to swim in so let me just back up there for a second so if you're swimming in something horrific the state doesn't really care I wouldn't say that they don't they don't care, care but they don't I do anything say, about it I would say that there are certain uh, requirements that uh, are um, put in place for us, mm -hmm. um, the, a lot of which are best practices, and we uh, move forward with what we think the best practices are. Uh, I don't have the data on who does this, who doesn't, or the other blue right. spaces. I stay in our lane as it relates to our city, but it is something that's come up from time to time that uh, when people are upset about late closings or some of these challenges like Coe's and other blue spaces have, uh, it's important that I just remind people that, you know, in a lot of different cities, you wouldn't even, you may or may not know that these things are even happening. So. Gotcha. Um, and one thing I found interesting about the, the treatment that they're doing is it's, it's non-herbicidal, so it seems like that's a good idea without being a scientist. It seems like <laughs> that's a good idea. Uh, yes, it's a tremendous idea. You know, we have um, so many Phil Guerin and Jackie and so many people in the um, uh, DPW department who are just so in tune to what's going on with our lakes. Um, these blue spaces are economic driver for us. Uh, they're opportunity for our residents. Uh, and so uh, it's really important to us that they're as safe as they can be. Excellent. Yes. Uh, number two on our five things list today, uh, Worcester Railers re-signed defenseman Kyle McKenzie. It'll be his third pro season. He uh, only played 18 games last year and uh, lost the rest of his season to injury, but he'll be back this coming season. Uh, an interesting event at uh, Redemption Rock Brewing. They are hosting a Bob Ross paint party, which sounds awesome. Um, if you're our age, or I'm, I don't, I think I'm older than you, but whatever. Uh, if you're, if you're between, I don't know, thirty and forty, probably twenty-five and forty, <laughs> maybe. Uh, Bob Ross is God. Uh, 
the it's um, on July 16th. It is 25 bucks. Beer, coffee, tea, and seltzer will be available for purchase. You can even bring your own snacks. And uh, what you'll get is to follow along with a with Bob Ro- Bob Ross art instruction guide, which sounds if you remember the show from being a kid, sounds amazing. It does sound incredible. And I, um, when I saw this come up, um, I immediately told my wife that we were going. She's a big <laughs> Bob Ross fan. So uh, in the next uh, show or next time I'm around, I'll certainly be happy to give people an update about that. Uh, you can't uh, two, two things that are uh, uh, going to be a lot of fun to participate in is um, drinking some delicious beer. <laughs> and while doing that, um, painting some Bob Ross um, paintings and doing some Bob Ross art. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to pop over and then take part in this. And uh, I think my wife and I are going to have a good time. Yeah, but she sounds like she was tough to convince that you were coming. No, she is a uh, <laughs> she is. We have four daughters. She's been uh, she's a fan of Bob Ross. She's been very fond of him. We both have been, and uh, we've forced our children to uh, watch some old YouTube videos and things of him. Um, you know, they're artists a little bit too. So it's been uh, Bob Ross is a uh, a well known uh, individual in our household for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Number number four on the list today, uh, United Way is is going to host a night at the Paw Sox as a fundraiser at McCoy Stadium. Uh, that's happening on July thirteenth. See their website for for more details. And uh, and lastly, Mass- by by Wallet Hub, Massachusetts was ranked number thirty six in uh, the in states to start a business. Uh, was ranked twenty seventh in business environment business environment seventh in access to resources which is interesting and uh 42nd in business costs which is not great but uh so the overall rank was was 36 we don't have much perspective outside the state so i can't complain true i mean i did look at some of the metrics and uh, i think one of the things that's important to note is that you know any business startup entrepreneurial startup you know doesn't have much success in its first year (laughs) so um there's that metric and then there are some other metrics in and around um labor force and skilled labor force and things like that so um, i think that uh it would be interesting to see um what that ranking look like on a Worcester perspective because one of the things that we do have going for us in the city is that we do have a skilled labor force. Um, so it would be uh, interesting to see it um, you know, from the macro to the micro on the city end uh, using these different metrics to see where Worcester stands um, because I would venture to say that we'd, we'd be a little bit higher on that list uh, based on some of the metrics that they displayed. Yeah, it would be interesting to see a, even a statewide list by, by city or county or something to see the differences in region. Sure. Um, yeah, and I mean the uh, a subject that I'm quite passionate about. Uh, the business cost for healthcare is so absurdly expensive that disproportionately, it's a big regressive tax that crushes small business. Yes, <laughs> and and we skipped over um, the United Way over in. Um at the Paw Sox, I just a shout out to Tim Garvin. The the guy is everywhere, doing everywhere. everything, um, and uh, fundraising and uh, energy that he puts in just goes into such you know fabulous causes and issues in and around the uh, the city. Um, and he's just been really critical to the success of uh, some of the areas of the city that uh, we might be um, you know needing a little bit more support or more resources on. Uh, he's just truly an amazing individual, and um, I just continue to to be. Um, uh, excited uh, about the things that he's doing, and uh, and he will he will leave no stone unturned in order to to help those in needs. It's uh, it's really special. 
Yeah, I, I don't know him too well. I met him a few times, and an uh, energetic guy who does lots of stuff. Yes. We're here with uh, City Councilor Sean Rose, who is running unopposed this year. Yes, I am. You are the big dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about that because it really uh, is a testament to the faith and confidence that people in the district have in me. You know, um, the last time that this seat has gone unopposed was, I think, 15 years ago. And it was the last time I was unopposed was actually my father-in-law, who was uh, really? uh, Tom White, yes, who uh, ran unopposed. So it's been a while. Uh, when people have been doing a really uh, seemingly great job in the district, there have been opponents. Um, so I think it's a real testament to the confidence that the people in the district have in me uh, and the energy that I've showed and portrayed. And I'm just really happy to... Um, you know, have that type of uh, backing and following behind me. Um, it's just been nothing but uh, great support and, and, and positive reinforcement over the last couple of weeks around, um, you know, what, what's to come in District 1. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's District 1. Um, so for for any that don't know, that generally runs from, uh, it's the northern corner of the city, yep. right? And uh, basically Lincoln Street around Indian Lake down the Salisbury Street and Highland Street, right? Correct, okay. yep. Um, so what's what's happening in that neck of the woods that we should be excited about? I mean, District 1 is, uh, you know, we have our, uh, right now I would say that um, the most happening spots are, you know, your Morgan Park and your um, Shore Park. Um, a lot of energy over there. Um, it's great to see the new bathhouse and, and be put to good use. Um, there's been a tremendous amount of residents over there engaging in this area. Um, that's been a real positive thing. Ooh, one of the things I'm uh, really excited about, um, Patrick did write a little bit about this uh, at some point, but um, there is now a tree in the triangle at the summit. Um, so where, you know, the East Mountain, West Mountain mm -hmm. over there, there's a triangle as you're coming down Burncoat Street. And uh, I put in an order many, many months ago, I can't recall exactly when, to have a eight foot or six foot evergreen planted in the middle of this triangle uh, as a way to commemorate the perseverance of those who struggled with the Asian longhorn beetle in the neighborhood. As you know, it just the Asian longhorn beetle decimated uh, the neighborhood. And so... It was just planted uh, two weeks ago, uh, and in September, we're going to commemorate the tree uh, with a big celebration and a nice block party nice. Um, and really have some fun with it. Um, so we're in the beginning stages of the block party, but it's going to be September 8th or 9th, and uh, we're working with the city on it right now. And um, I just am so excited um, for the people of Burncoat to have um, their own tree that they can do their own we can do our own tree lighting on you know you see on social media or some of my colleague counselors are you know talking about tree lightings in their neighborhood <laughs> and they're like oh you know they stand up under suspension they say i just want to remind people that you know like george russell for example has a tree lighting and i've always been so jealous of that <laughs> so, so now I'm, you get one. I'm, I'm excited on a bunch of levels but most importantly excited um that they have um something that they can um a landmark um that they can appreciate uh but more importantly, it's an opportunity for us to have a lot of fun over there with other activities and, and uh, exciting um, opportunities like tree lightings and other events. The bulk of uh, 
of Beetlegate was was before you were elected, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of came in on the backside of it, and uh, you know, Mary Niddle, Ruth Seward. I mean, there are just so many people you could um, go down the list of who were instrumental in helping to repair the neighborhood with new trees and so on. So it's just a, an incredible landmark that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, we're such a big city um, that things oftentimes really what an order that you put in for example uh often takes a long time to be actualized Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be an order around a policy or in the case of uh, this tree or this landmark um so to have something like that be actualized is just such a tremendous failing uh i think that i've gone out of my way to drive by it (laughs) at least a dozen or two occasions um just because i'm just so excited about it and you get to have a party which is great and we get to have a party in addition to that, I um, I lived in your district uh, um, for the winter of no power. Uh, okay, the ice when, storm. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, when I, I walked out my 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 back door to go to go to my car to go to work, and I thought of people shooting, mm. and no, and there was just branches breaking yes. and smashing everything. That yes. was probably a great time to not be a city councilor. Yes, I can't imagine that that would have been a good time at all. No. Um, You know, we have our uh, fair share of issues in the district. You know, we've had the, uh, if you remember, the sinkhole um, Mm -hmm. issue over by St. Govain. You know, we've had some things come up. The lake shutting down from time to time. There was a time where the lake was shut down for the whole entire summer. Um, which was a big problem, big challenge. And we had folks like uh, Beth Proko and the Indian Lake Watershed Association who have just been, you know, tremendous in, um, in making sure that that never happens again uh, in conjunction with the city. Um, so we've had our fair share of issues in the district. But what I will say is that, you know, District 1 is just a resilient group of, um, I don't know, obviously don't know other districts as well, but it's just a resilient group of people, a lot of people who are paying attention, a lot of people who care about the district uh, and the community and the city as a whole i think one of the privileges of being a counselor is that i get um the opportunity to rub shoulders and shake hands and meet with so many people who are so invested in the positive uh um the you know in in building the community up to be such a positive um uh experience for others um and so many people who are willing to help others to uh, it's just been uh, I could name, you know, a hundred people off the top of my head who are all um, focused on the best interest of the district and the city as a whole. And it's just such a privilege to be able to have the opportunity to hang out with them and learn from them and, and listen to them. Um, because I would not have had that same privilege if I was obviously not an, an elected official. Right. Um, right. But it's just been um, a magnificent uh, failing so far. So uh, leads me to a question I, I wanted to ask. Uh, um you know, I, I imagine there's, you know, there's, of course, being responsive to your constituents and it sure. is a city councilor. Uh, uh, you know, what happens at, 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 at council meetings is pretty, pretty public and that's, you know, pretty transparent. We know what happens there. But what, what do people not know about this job? Well, I think one of the things that people don't know about this job is that it's a uh, this is it's a huge job really you know you have your your streets your sidewalks your you know youth engagement you know advocating for your seniors public safety right uh and you just put those in just one pocket for a second but then in addition to that you have um other challenges and issues that come up um and we're we're talking and we're we're approving like millions and millions of dollars almost on a weekly basis um 
you know, we have a $675 million budget um, and we're approving that and we're, we're using that budget to um, push into different departments that impact residents. Um, we're changing policy that impacts what that budget looks like. Um, I think that the magnitude by which um, we have so much um, ability to impact one's life is what people don't realize. You know, our, our voter turnout is not very good. Uh, it's improved over time, but it's very good. And so when you consider, um, you know, what what we, what the ability or the power that I have over one's daily quality of life compared to, you know, President Trump, there's no comparison. Uh, I have more of an, uh, and us councilors and us uh, city councilors, a city council have more impact on the quality of life of a resident in the city than the president of the United States does. And I just wish that that turnout switched in that same way. You get, you know, 40, 45% of our registered voters voting on a presidential election. And we'd be lucky in some cases um, to be in and around 20 to 22% on a municipal election. That's half. Yes, generally. And you got 199,000 registered voters currently as to, you know, to date. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you consider that and you consider the impact that we have on one's quality of life versus the president, I, I would hope that that would be flipped. And I think that we somehow need to do a better job of communicating that to our residents. You know, so, for example, if I decided for years we didn't have the, you know, we're battling Chapter 70 funds to our schools. As a result of that, some of the city budget was dedicated towards our schools. Okay, Um, if we voted against that, what would our schools look like or how would that impact our schools? How would that impact us as parents who have kids in the school? So I think one of the things that I I don't know or maybe maybe people do know and they just don't value it is that we have a huge impact on the quality of life. We're overseeing millions and millions of dollars that that could change the trajectory of their quality of life. And that's something that I, um, I'm hopeful in the, the coming election season that we have some better turnouts and um, you know can work together as a team to get these different messages out to get people to, to uh, value that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the issues that are dealt, dealt with at the, the national level are you know, larger, more broad, have a broader effect outside of the sure. city and the state, et cetera by kind of the nature of what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, the things that, that happen at the city level, uh, they touch the lives of the residents on a frequent basis. And people should be engaged in that. For sure. So uh, here with, uh, still, I'm holding him hostage. He wants to leave, but I won't <laughs> let him. Uh, Sean Rose, District 1 City Councilor. Um, there's, I don't know, between City Council and, and um, committee. 413 candidates this year or so <laughs> um what is uh what do you think about the process that we're using to to get to election day and um you know it's been a little bit chaotic with this person's in this person's out. i mean i know that the time is over but um what how does that affect understanding of the election you know you talked about uh, turnout numbers that people aren't exactly uh the number of people we'd like to turn out doesn't happen yet um does that cause a lot of confusion with voters in that people are in, people are out? There was a lot of moving parts before we got to leading up to this kind of primary contest. Yeah, you know, um, I'm overjoyed about the amount of people who are actually running uh, yeah, because I think it's only going to um, create more energy and buzz about 
you know what's happening in our schools and what's happening in the city um like for example uh 2009 you had a uh, 23% of our registered voters jump out uh a decline in 2011 to 19 uh in 2013 it was a uh, 14 we had a nice jump in 2015 to 21% and then in 2017 uh, we had 15 so my hope is that we can get closer to those 2009 numbers um the the process by which people jump out is pretty straightforward you know you got to do the work you got to get your signatures mm-hmm. you got to get yourself on the ballot and i think then it the next step is just um getting your name out there and 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 meeting with as many people knocking on as many doors as possible to communicate to the residents you know what you can do or uh what you plan to do or how you can be better than some of the incumbents that are currently in place one of the things that jumped out in my election was that um, you have your super voters, right? Um, and we all have our list of the super voters. <laughs> you know, those are the folks who will go out to vote no matter what in any election, rain, thunderstorm, tornado, it doesn't matter. They're right. getting their vote in. Um, and then you have those people who may be registered on the uh, presidential, you know, res- registered, but really just focus more on presidential elections and, and things like that. Uh, one of the things that we really needed to do in an effort to, for myself to get elected was that we needed to engage people who weren't super voters in addition to, you know, convincing those super voters that, you know, I was the right choice. So with this amount of people jumping out, I'm hopeful that, yes, you have your super voters, but I'm hopeful that they're all going to bring some positive energy and bring up some people who ordinarily wouldn't vote on a municipal to get out there and engage in the process in hopes that it has some sustainability in the long term. So I'm excited. Um, I'm jazzed for all the candidates. Um, You know, there's uh, no better... um, experience or joy than knocking on someone's door having a nice conversation with them and then them saying i really like what you have to offer you can count on my vote um you know i used to i used to say all the time like i was just floating around right because i was just so happy um (laughs) to engage people in the right way where i don't even think i took steps sometimes you know i was just kind of floating around out there so um i think that they're going to have an equally as positive experience getting themselves out there Um, a lot of good candidates a lot of great incumbents um the city's on the rise um you hear that everywhere um the city's on a trajectory and so on and um you know, I think uh, that trajectory in large part is, has a lot to do with the fact that the the people who are in there now, um, you know, have been pretty like minded and we have our own, you know, roles and, and personalities and things like that. So it's going to be a challenge um, for people to unseat them. But if they're up for the challenge and meet people and hit those doors and, and do what they need to do, um, I guess anybody has a chance. Right. Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's why we play the game. Right? That's why that's we why play <laughs> the game. <laughs> that's yes. why we have the election. Um I mean, we, so you hear about that at the national level a lot, obviously, in these big macro analysis of, of how things are going to turn out. Um, you know, it's about turnout in the end. Uh, you know, at the local level, that seems very much true, maybe even more important. It does, you know, and it's just evolved over time. You know, I was looking at my father-in-law's ballotpedia the other day, mm-hmm. and there was one election where he had where there were like 100-something thousand people voted. 
Like, you know, he must have been, you know, I see pictures of him back in the day uh, and it looked like he was like, you know, at the mall, you know, in D.C. speaking to these masses of people who are so engaged and so invested. Um, I just welcome the opportunity for us to get back to those days. Um, The way that it's currently structured and the amount of people who are currently voting. So if you get, you know, your 15 percent of 200,000. Right, so you're what thirty thousand or so. Yes, yeah, um, I don't think people get that. That means every person's voting for six people. Yes, and so um, when there's a uh, someone who calls you as a registered voter, um, you know they're worth six votes, right? Yeah. And so if you allow these same individuals to control the narrative, control the dialogue, control the policy, um, we somehow need to get that message out that um, you're kind of you're going to lose out. Um, and you're going to, you know, there might be a candidate out there that, you know, you uh, are, you know, more aligned with or not that you could be missing the boat on. Um, there can be some incumbents who you really like um, that you could be missing the boat on. So, again, um, we really um, I'm hopeful that the, the amount of people can get people who normally don't get out there to vote to vote. And um, hopefully it sustains them and satiates them to a point where we can have an increased voter turnout. Um, over the next several elections. Yeah, it, um, how much do you think, so, you know, obviously it's going to be a very, it's already begun, a very polarizing national election heading toward the next next presidential election. Um, it didn't seem like, I, you know, I was listening to the numbers you had, it didn't seem like it correlated at all to, you, I, I, would, I would guess that presidential years would be, people would be more engaged and that might lead to more turnout. It doesn't seem like that's the case. No, I, you know, it's important to note that we all have our, you know, our parties, right, mm-hmm. that were, whether you're a Democrat, Democrat, independent or Republican, but on the municipal level, it's more about, um, you know, it's advocacy and, and addressing issues and addressing them quickly and great customer service and, and just, you know, doing, you know, I've advocated for so much in my district in the you know last 20 or so months um that um, i have a long list of things that um have gotten actualized right Mm -hmm. so it's one thing to put in a bunch of orders that don't see anything right Mm -hmm. that go someplace to die and then there's orders that you put in that are actualized into actual policy a a landmark resource some sort of so i have a long lengthy list of things that i'm keeping track track of on my end because when i meet with different people in the district these are the things that they want these are the things they need these are the resources that they're begging for and so for me um, i'm always going to advocate what's best for my district uh, number one and obviously that translates into the best interest of the city in my opinion uh, and so for me, um, it just really comes down to being present, uh, being a good listener, um, and advocating for, for what people need. You know, my wife gives me a hard time all the time because she's like, this isn't supposed to be a full-time job. Um, what people may or may not know is it's a, absolutely a full-time I job. And when hot topics present themselves, it can be like you have two jobs, right? Yeah. Uh, and so... Uh, it's it's not an easy for those people who are out there jumping out and running. Um, I think that there are a lot of really experienced people who are who are incumbents currently who may make it look easy, um, but I can assure you it is not. Whether you're at large or district, um, this is a very 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 difficult job, um, and it's not for everyone. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. Um, how do you? 
how do you balance or, or how do you how do you I guess how do you balance what you prioritize right so there's a lot of people that want a lot of things you have some things that you want to get done uh, and you can only kind of push so much right like you can't get everything you want done obviously um, right. I mean what's the is it as simple as trying to weigh what's most important or is, is there some other kind of strategy there and how you select what you push for I think that there are certainly um, key stakeholders um, who want different things. So it's a, you almost have to scale it, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, some residents are like when we didn't do the um, when in the past contractors used to be able to pick and choose whether they're going to pick up someone's leaves or branches during the spring cleanup. And then the policy shifted away from from having contractors pick and choose and instead stick to the actual policy um, of just street sweeping. Um, And so you might have a resident who is saying, you know, like, what's happening here? I'm like, I need this or whatever it may be. And then, but you might also have like a small business owner who is saying, you know, we really need to address the lighting or Mm -hmm. uh, you might have, um, you know, other uh, entities within your district like we have a lot of issues up at Bancroft Tower the Greater Hammond Heights Neighborhood Association you know we had to work together to get a lot of stuff done a stop sign up there we needed to get the park closed earlier um, so there are some things that naturally take precedence over others that part of it actually isn't as hard as you think um, I think that there is some my frustration from time to time and I put in an order to have a um, what I call the action team like a dpw action team mm-hmm. whereas some of these smaller issues that occur in the district are taken care of relatively quickly with the same urgency as some of the larger things are and so um that's my frustration from time to time is that a resident asked me something they had that own urgency around it but the city is so big the district's so big. We represent right. thirty six thousand people in the district, hundred and eighty thousand, not including your twenty thousand college kids. Um, when that same urgency doesn't apply to that individual residence, that those are the things that eat at me, even though I may also ha- have share their same urgency. Um, but it's not as hard as you think. Um, for the most part, the the city is uh, does a, a very good job of you know um, meeting our needs. Um, it's just some things are more timely than others. Gotcha. Um, to switch real quick to a, to a, a pretty specific topic, um, people are freaking out about trash bags. Yes, <laughs> they are. They're losing their minds about trash bags. They are. Um, I mean, in a sense, I get it, but can you just talk briefly about, about kind of what the motivation is to, to make the change? To- so um, one of the things I will say is that, um, you know, like I said, I've only been in for you know, 20 months up to this point, and I think that one of the things to note is that um, we have not in- – the city has not increased the cost of those bags forever. forever. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, residuous history, I would look back on that and say, well, maybe we should have incrementally increased over time as not to have it be such a big, um, you know, hit to people. But mm-hmm. what I will say is just imagine that, you know, um, just pretend we did, right? <laughs> we got to this place. Um, but so there's a, there's a lot to cover on this topic. But um, at the end of the day, I've seen so much around rolly bins. Um, rolly bins are difficult for our topography, for our elders, for our three-deckers, and so on. But one of the things that isn't or I haven't seen talked about as much is a contamination rate of our recycling in the city. Right now, we could save money by just burning our trash. Yeah, let's not do that. Well, we can't because it's state and federal regulations, but I'm, the, to belabor the point, like 
we're at a, we're so upside down on what the cost we used to get for recycling in the past was compared to what it is now because of contamination. And so we're, our recycling is so contaminated these days that we don't get the same reimbursable that it was contaminated. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about putting a bunch of stuff in a bunch of rolly bins. It's only going to increase the contamination, hence causing us more money down the road. So the idea around the clear plastic bags is that if you could see some contamination in the bag, you just don't take it. Um, the plastic bags themselves are going to be recyclable. We need to figure out a way to isolate the purchase of the pla- the clear plastic bags from the yellow bags because not as many people with large or smaller homes require you know five bags at a time. So I do think that that is an area to tease out. But in terms of education, nuisance control, contamination, um, peace of mind to just not have to chase your recycling bin down the street or whatever it may be, I think it's a great plan. It's a solid plan. The other thing that isn't necessarily communicated often is that this plan wasn't created in a bubble. This plan was created off, you know, hundreds of orders from counselors to the administration around trash um, long before I even came aboard. Uh, And so this is an accumulation of what those orders look like and then it actualized into an act, you know, into a plan um, to be able to benefit residents and, and, and neighbors and communities. So that's how we got here in a nutshell. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's it's certainly true that I mean uh, uh, the price has not gone up in a very long time. Uh, you know, it, it makes sense, but the sticker shock has irritated people as I can get. So we're seeing relatively messy process play out at the national level amongst Democrats. Um, we had uh, I find that the broadcasts of the debates were so horrifically terrible. Um, really amusing, but you were also seeing a, a lot of, uh, you know, jousting for position per se. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to see that there's actually been some substantive policy proposals. But there's a lot of people saying things and not really writing down how they get them done. Um, what is it? Uh, what are the things that kind of you said while campaigning that you were then held accountable for that you got done when you after you were elected? Well, that's a really great question. Um, when I was running, um, you know, you have a sense of how things work, and then there's a reality of <laughs> what you can right. really, right. what you can really get done. Uh, I think it's uh, you can you could run on a, a whole bunch of hyperbole. Um, I think anybody who knows anything about me knows that I'm not the soapbox guy. Um, I speak when I, I have something uh, important to say, um, and I do a lot of the work um, for the district um, outside of you know being on the floor in, in any uh, city council meeting. Uh, but some of the things that I promised was you know support uh, for our seniors, um, engaging our youth, um, public safety, um, street and sidewalk pa- repair, constituent service. Um, and I, I promised that more so than anything else that I was going to be a great listener. Uh, and so when I look at some of the list of things that I've been able to accomplish up to this point was, um, you know, we got a alum dosing station to minimize the nutrients um, that enter uh, through Ararat Brook, Brook into Indian Lake. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got, um, was able to get the, the manager and the team to dedicate $100,000 to um, us. Um, 
alum dosing station to, to really prevent that from happening. Um, when I was running, I had assured uh, folks around Indian Lake that I was going to prioritize this and that we weren't going to have another catastrophe that we had when Indian Lake closed for the whole entire summer. Um, I had worked with uh, State Rep John Mahoney um, to um, clear an, a parcel um, at the end of West Boylson Drive um, so that we could use it for something. Um, we rent that space from the state for a penny a year, uh, and it seemed uh, as if it was underutilized, and we had an option opportunity um, with the help of uh, John Mahoney, State Rep John Mahoney, to be able to clear that parcel and agreement from the city that they were going to mow it once it's cleared. So now you're going to have this beautiful space that overlooks Indian Lake Water, um, that's going to be some type of entity. Um, we have, uh, I talked about revitalizing um, the West Boston um, uh, Street um, Corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've done a ton for that. I talked uh, about revitalizing the Higgins Armory area um, over by more by the movie theater and on my side of the district, the Echo Higgins Armory. We've done a ton to revitalize that. We've been businesses opening up down there and, and otherwise unoccupied spaces. Um, we have, um, I advocated um, through the municipal, my municipal operations have a new navigation system for our EMS, our fire, uh, and our police. Our old PAMET system uh, was falling apart, and uh, if you were to look it up on the Better Business Bureau, it didn't exist. Um, holiday Mental Health Support, um, partnering with uh, Greendale Y and Bancroft and others to help more um, youth learn how to swim. Um, upgrades to the Burnco uh, auditorium. I mean, I go Barbers Cross and yeah. problem properties and so yeah. on, you know, um, and so for me, uh, the Great Brook Valley Library. And so for me, I can go on in a rectangular field down in the Roberto Clemente <laughs> field as part of the massive. I mean, I can go on and on and on. I think, um, you know, um, a lot of people can can say what they're going to do. I pride myself on having, um, you know, providing action, right, and getting things actualized. Um, I would venture to say that if anybody went through and looked at the varying orders, like who does what and how many and, and how many get actualized, I would probably be uh, up there with some of the best of them in terms of creating good policy, resources, landmarks, community improvements, and so on. Um, so for me, um, it's about representing this district well and giving them back the same energy that they've given me um, and just not being satiated or not really sitting on my hands as it relates to providing them with their needs. And so it's not easy because you're playing, you know, the city budget has literally no fat in it despite it being, you know, 675, yeah. 600. And so you're playing with that part of it. And so back to your point earlier of um, prioritizing and urgent, you know, what is urgent, what isn't, um, what's having impact, what isn't. I try to stay in my lane in terms of that district. I'm the co-chair of Health and Human Services. I'm the chair of Municipal Operations. I sit on the Parks Committee. I said on Veterans Affairs, um, we had successfully advocated, I had successfully advocated for more staff in the Veterans Affairs Department to be able to provide our veterans with more resources. And so as you expand your circumference and the people that you meet and listen to and touch and hear their stories, it creates some semblance of policy in your mind. So a good example is I just put in an order um, around the city creating a trauma response team for when there's a tragedy that occurs in the community or a small business in the city um, so that we can provide these folks with psychological first aid should there be a tragedy, God forbid, that occurs um, in their area, in their business, on their street, in their community. And so for me, it's about 
sensibly thinking about what the needs are of the district and the city as a whole, wearing those different hats, and then really be, being able to advocate on behalf of that. One of the things that I was very naive to is how big a city we are, and as a result of that, how things move a little bit more slowly uh, in terms of getting things accomplished. But they always come around, and we have a magnificent group of people on the city administration, and the mayor has his list of priorities that I fall in line with, and um, I just think the things that we're doing as a city overall is just a right time. It's just been a, I can't say enough about the experience up to this point. So that, that list of, of things that you've gotten done, you're not campaigning right now, and you had that off the cuff. I just I just thought that was impressive. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not campaigning, and I, I have it off the cuff because it does. Um, it is important to me that um, people are aware of all the things that we're doing behind the things to make the district and the city a success. Um, and any of those things that I just listed um, is done with partnership. And one of the things that I communicated back to campaigning was. Um, I don't propose to be an expert on anything but partnering with people to get things done. And that partnership has really um, translated into a lot of these good things happening that are off the top of my head because it just just to think about them and the excitement of them is um, it's just so very gratifying. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, something I wanted to touch on briefly a little bit outside of your your council role, uh, how we met actually is uh, through yes. Worcester Union. If you could tell us a little bit about that. So uh, Worcester Union is a um, women's empowerment program for uh, girls uh, ages 10 to 18. And uh, we have um, a strong emphasis on community service. We have 110 girls in the pro 111 girls, excuse me, in the program now um, who embark on community service in addition to participating in travel softball and travel basketball. And so we have done over 750 hours of community service in this city um, since August of last year. Oh, wow. um, so it's an organization that I'm truly proud of. Uh, we had our um, first annual. Um, uh, Women of Worcester uh, Awards during um, Women's History Month that we're going to have our second annual coming up this coming March. Um, it's just a tremendous program that I take a lot of pride in. Uh, we have a community service director uh, in Elizabeth Ward who is the uh, AVID instructor down at the Tech. Um, she leads all of our community service projects. In the coming year, we're looking at um, having playing a more role and getting our middle school and high school girls um, on Navient and and understanding the college process and you know college essays and assignments and really working with parents to advance the academic side of what their their girls are doing. Um, so it's just an, an awesome awesome program. Um, if you wouldn't if you would indulge me, we have a. Uh, our softball child's coming up, if you wouldn't yeah, mind me no, floating it, it out there. but it. Yeah, so Worcester Union softball tryouts, um, 10U and 12U are um, July 15th and July 24th. Our U, 14, 16, and 18 are July 17th and July 22nd. All of these uh, tryouts take place at Greenwood Park from 6 to 8, uh, Greenwood Park in Worcester. Again, an all-female program, community service, women empowerment, activities, making a difference, um, learning through positive sports, softball, basketball. Again, our U10 softball, U12 softball tryouts, July 15th and July 24th. Our U14, 16, and 18 are July 17th and July 22nd. Um, we have so many girls who are um, 
who have benefited from this experience. Um, you know, if I could share like the emails and the, the emotional responses and all the right. love that we've gotten from families, parents, coaches, um, you know, we have a team of people who do a tremendous job. Uh, Meg Mulhern runs the um, softball side. Um, it's just uh, been a, a tremendous thing up to this point. And, you know, ideally I'd love to see us have 500 girls in the program uh, because that means that we can get up to 3,500, almost 4,000 community service hours in any given year and giving back to, uh, to people in the city. Um, it's one thing to play a sport. Uh, and to have that experience of positive adversity and teamwork and dedication and commitment. But there's a lot to be said about um, character building and, and women empowerment. And so and for them to be together and uh, we call it the sisterhood, they, they've really evolved into becoming like this uh, magnificent family. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that I will go down, uh, you know, over time with as, as one of the the most impact, impactful and uh, influential things that I've um, done in my life up to this point, and I'm excited to see it grow. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great program, and uh, you definitely have some hoopers, too. Yes, we do. <laughs> awesome. Well, Sean, I appreciate you doing this and taking some time with us. Thanks so much for having me. It's I, been I, awesome. I, I, I hope it was educational. I, I tried to ask questions that were educational. Are you going to uh, untie me now, or do we yeah, no, wait we, for we us to get now, off we, now we run out of here. That's how okay. it goes. Awesome. Uh, this is This Week in Worcester Radio, This Week in Worcester.com Radio, 102.9 FM on Unity Radio, Worcester's Community Connection. <laughs>